0: Welcome to the Ranking Things Podcast, the production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com for information about voiceover services for commercials, internet and corporate videos, e-learning, phone messages, and more. I'm Jason Davis. I'm Eric Wright. Each episode, we're going to choose a topic and rank our favorites. Share your thoughts via email, at yahoo.com. So Eric, we're going to talk about another fun subject for this episode. Another big 80s themes for the most part, which is fine,
1: that's... Who we are and when we were. Exactly. I was very happy when you thought of this. It's John Hughes movies.
0: Yeah, this feels like a pretty easy one to do, too. We probably both grew up, for the most part, on John Hughes films, right? Oh, yeah. When I saw him in my late
1: teens, early 20s, definitely thought one thing... And I had in my mind how I was going to rank them. And then I rewatched a few. Mm-hmm. And it really changed things around because looking at them through the eyes of a parent <laughs> really made me kind of think. And also, things have changed a lot. Big time. There's some stuff that, you know, with the way the girls were treated, mm-hmm. sometimes you're kind of like, oh, my God, what are we watching? Like,
0: I Love Lucy? This yeah, is kind of... Yeah, there's, there's some stuff almost. that he did that holds up better than others. I didn't watch all of my favorite John Hughes movies in preparation for the podcast because there's some of them that I'm so familiar with because I've seen so many times yeah. that I wanted to focus my rewatching on things that I'm not as familiar with or I haven't right. seen as much. But the ones that I did watch definitely felt a little dated to me. I thought it might be interesting just...
1: To talk a little bit about him because, yeah, I mean, definitely. he was, in the 80s, he was like probably the most or one of the most prolific filmmakers. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. he, I
0: don't know, over a dozen, at least a dozen. Yeah, there just, were uh, quite a few years. years where he had two hits, two yeah. pretty big hits that are iconic, either right. teen movies or family movies. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I wanted to find out more about him. So he was born in 1950 and he didn't like high school. Apparently, his family moved around a lot and he found himself in Chicago in high school and had a really rough time of it. Years later, when his high school tried to bestow some kind of, you know, honorary um, best alumni, he was like, "Eh, no, thanks.
0: Yeah. No, thank you. I hated I hated going there when I had to. I don't want to go
1: back. Yeah. Well, I don't want to go. Yeah. So obviously that has to impact what he does in these movies absolutely and there's definitely with any of these high school themed movies at least the ones that I know of there's a definite theme of like you know the outcast kind Uh of being the downtrodden Mm -hmm. the pretty rich people which I kind of identified with sure not that I'm a pretty rich person I was more of the regular person that was making fun of all the rich folks (laughs) you know that was more
0: I think uh, no matter what era you grow up in there's definitely uh, cliques You know, of course, whether it's having to do with uh, your parents being wealthy or whatever, there's always going to be like uh, sort of a pecking order in high Mm -hmm. school. Sure, Sad, but true. Right. Well, it's human nature. So and I think that's the reason why his movies, I think, endure. It's a theme that we can all relate to no matter what age we are. Yeah. And especially the better ones. And as we approach and I'm I
1: would bet you and I are going to be very similar as we get closer to number one probably.
0: He actually started out in the 1970s as a writer for National Lampoon magazine. That's crazy. Yeah. National Lampoon was pretty much the launching pad for almost every funny thing that came out in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of the great people that were on Saturday Night Live, right. mm-hmm. you know, were involved with National Lampoon. So that really Explains why his writing style is so great hmm you know, and most of the movies that he wrote are really good Right, so what do you got for number five all right number five? I actually just switched them
1: up This was going to be my number four. I actually bumped it to number five and that's weird science 1985 okay. what I liked about it is it's more fanciful than most of his other movies, mm-hmm. you know it's you because know, you got the whole you There's know, like special
0: effects and yeah. stuff, well, yeah, and Is just the mean?
1: idea and just the idea of the story of two guys, two teenage boys creating a creating girl. a girl, <laughs> yeah. you know? It, it's great. and it's funny because, you know, aside from the creating the girl, well now the girl, you know, she's there for their every beck and call, right. which is pretty cool. I mean, you know, what fifteen-year-old boy? <laughs> plus, she's Kelly LeBron. She's not, let's Kelly let's LeBron. not gloss over that. You can't miss that. No, <laughs> no, we can't. And it's cool the way the movie how she helps them out mm-hmm. because it's not exactly the way they wanted the help. You know, they're right. like, oh, they want to be partiers and popular, mm-hmm. and she's like, you know, pushing them way beyond their right. comfort zone, and it ends up working out. Um, I really liked how when they were creating her. They're putting in, you know, like all these little clips from Playboy magazines and all this stuff. And they put in an Albert Einstein
0: photo. Because yes. they're just scanning stuff. And David Lee Roth. And a David Lee Roth. Who, <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you know, mm-hmm. for everything that we've talked about and, and everything everybody knows about him, he's actually a really smart dude. Oh, yeah, I mean, not, yeah. You know, he's not a dummy, but... I think the point of that in the movie is that mm-hmm. Albert Einstein's brains and David Lee Roth's charisma. Maybe also, you know, his, I don't know, sexual appetite, Yeah, maybe. whatever. I don't yeah. Know.
1: Whatever. And it was funny because then she's magical. She, you know, she creates the cars for them to drive, you know, the mm-hmm. Ferrari and a, whatever the heck the other one Probably was. Probably Lamborghini. Yeah, Lam- guess, yeah that yeah. was it. And, you know, at the end of the movie the one of the kids his brother older brother is a total dickwad so she turns him into this like brother Chet yeah Chet hi it's Bill, Chet Bill Paxton right yeah. right he was, was great awesome oh my god so good he was so good as like the military yeah. older brother that was just abusive stood, and stuff you stewed walk <laughs> he's so funny <laughs> and she changes him yeah and it was great she changed him to this like you know a giant piece a
0: giant pussy. Like, piece of shit was oh, he like supposed to be like a piece of he shit he had like
1: boils all yeah. over himself oh, it was disgusting and there were farting sounds yeah. and all these He's busting pustules and things, we but he still had his crew cut, right. which was great. We
0: can't ha- we can't have him like that. It's going to ruin the holidays. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll
1: be fine in half an oh hour. But it was fine because I saw this with a girlfriend mm-hmm. and. Yeah, you know, we're leaving and she's like, "Well, yeah, it was cute," she said, "but it really got a little outlandish when she cr- when she changed that guy into that creature." And I was like, "Oh, but the rest is totally plausible, you know, two guys creating a woman from right. a doll and all that with a computer, yeah." With the yeah, with a computer that they needed dial up. Right. And I don't know what the heck they were dialing into, some secret government thing I don't know, NASA was, or something. Right, it was <laughs> but it, it was hilarious, but it was just I just liked how they gave her a mind. They gave her right. everything. It wasn't just like just when like, she well, comes She wasn't out. just a sex toy. Like, right. Like, she' somebody they could talk to. And, well, that's it. When he was making him, was like, well, let's give her a brain so we can play chess with her. Yeah. And the one's like, what?
0: <laughs> play
1: chess with her? And then when she's finally created and she's like, so what's the first thing you two maniacs want to do? Yeah. Boom. Next scene, showerhead. Right. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> and they're standing there like in their clothes know, in their clothes while <laughs> yeah. she's you know yeah. showering. Excellent scene.
0: There's a lot of really funny scenes of her interacting with other people and stuff like mm-hmm. the whole scene where where they go to see Anthony Michael Hall's father and mother. Right. Oh, she's yeah. talking about like candle I'm not talking about candle wax on the nipples and all that right. kind of stuff. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's just a party. <laughs> yeah. And there's stuff that I know you can't do now which you know PC or whatever, right. which is really sad like I really liked where she took them out to this, like, really cool blues bar, right. blues club. Drink and, it. Know, yeah. And they're <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, sir. But
0: <laughs> in a family Anthony Michael, jewels. Uh, the, Sorry.
1: This bitch, she <laughs> broke my heart in two. And then she nipped <laughs> me in the nuts. <laughs> and Anthony Michael Hall was so good. His so good. His face was very animated. Yeah. And- He's now drunk and he's comfortable and mm-hmm. he's talking about his broken heart mm-hmm. with these other blues guys mm-hmm. hanging around. All right. So now he's wearing a hat with the little feather. Right. And I know that's probably offensive, but to me, it's like the airplane with the old lady talking
0: jive. It's just I mean, it's like, funny. yeah. I mean, stereotype, racial stereotypes in movies when you watch them now, they do make you feel a little bit more uncomfortable th- than they did back in the day. Like yeah. we just watched Blazing Saddles recently. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. I don't think people were, were up in arms at all back I then. I don't
1: think then, no.
0: Yeah, the And mid-80s. it seems,
1: and I don't know, to me, it still seems harmless. The way I look at it is that it's this little white teenage boy just trying to be cool and fit in. Right? And he's drunk. And so. he's smoking the cigar. <laughs> and he's smoking, and the <laughs> yeah. right, right. Yes. broke my heart in
0: two. Yeah. That was probably one of my favorite scenes. So what's your five? Number five for me is actually a two-way tie. National Lampoon's Vacation, okay, which came out July 29th, 1983, mm-hmm. and then National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which okay. came out December 1st, 1989. Okay. And the reason I'm putting them both in the top five is because they're both equally good. Mm-hmm. You can't have the Christmas Vacation movie without the original Vacation. Right, okay. But I felt like they both deserved the spot in the top five the first vacation movie still plays very well they did a uh, sort of a reboot of it mm-hmm. which was also funny okay but you know the first one Chevy Chase as super dad Clark oh. Griswold oh yeah I mean the first time we meet Cousin Eddie and his whole brood and he's hilarious oh my god Randy Dennis, Quaid is Randy like, Quaid's like the and a young guy Jane ever. Krakowski as his daughter we talked about National Lampoon's Vacation and Christmas Vacation on right. uh, Screen Facts with Jason Davis, too. Right, right. So for all like the fun trivia stuff, definitely mm-hmm. check those out. Yeah. The two vacation movies, I think, both deserve a spot in the top five right. because um, there's just so many great characters and so many funny moments. Mm-hmm. Cousin Eddie is so good in both of those movies. Right, right. That you got to bring them both up.
1: Yeah, know? I have to take issue with you. I think you have to separate and you have to take one of them out. And one of those is higher
0: for me. Well, I'm not going to, because it's, you know, our podcast. We can, we can decide whatever the <laughs> fuck we want to do on this. You know, there's no rules to this. Mm-hmm. Vacation was, I mean,
1: that's America.
0: Right. You know, that's like, like but, you said, but the, but super the, dad. But the whole purpose of Christmas vacation, even though they don't mm-hmm. go on a road trip, right? having the family over and all the memories and all that, that's very Americana as well. Right. To me, they're almost one and the same, except one is on the road and one is at their house. Do you have one or both in your top five? I have one of them. Okay. Well, we're going to get to that. I think the first vacation movie was one of the first movies that John Hughes wrote mm-hmm. that that became successful. Right. It was based on a, a National Lampoon story that he wrote, of uh, based on a real trip his, that he took. His family country. story. Yeah. 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 Like, I think he was like eight years old or yeah. something.
1: All right. What do you got for number four? All right. My number four is... Uh, from 1987 planes trains and automobiles. Okay. Okay. Good choice. Um thank you. Uh, I like this this was a departure from him uh, for John because mm-hmm. he had been doing really a lot of these you know, a lot of teen, teen stuff. Teen angst type stuff. So um you yeah, know so he gets Steve Martin. You're going to have a hit right. at that time if you at got that Steve time, Martin. Absolutely. And then John Candy who really John Candy was actually the funny guy in this movie. Right. Well, they both were. I think, you know. They were, but Steve Martin, you know, he was playing a straighter character. Right. But Steve Martin is just brilliant at it, at being a straight guy, because he's so good at acting frustrated. And when he
0: does his physicality. He's good at playing sort of like, you know, my shit doesn't stink. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, like when they meet on the plane. Right. And John Candy is the exact opposite of that. He's like sloppy and. Yeah. Oh, my dogs are barking. He's taking his shoes She's off on off the plane. The and he's all stinky and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've traveled a little bit with work, but, you know, I've talked to people that travel more with work and it just like resonates with them. Like, I've been stuck in a hurricane where I've had to sleep in the airport and that kind of crap. Mm-hmm. And so just everything, you know, the. <laughs> <laughs> like the car blowing up into flames and, and everything. Not that that's happened to me. Right. But it's a movie you're going over the top. Yeah.
0: It's a really funny movie. And you know, one of the things about it that I really enjoy, yeah. not only is it super funny, mm-hmm. but it's got a very warm center. It ends up being this lovely film about friendship and family. Right. When you're not expecting that. Yeah. It culminates in that mm-hmm. wonderful ending yeah. that I think uh, really makes it a classic.
1: Yeah, the way they keep separating, um, you know, and Steve Martin's character is just pissed all the time, but then here comes John Candy kind of coming to the rescue. And mm-hmm. here's the thing, it's like John Candy is also living through all this crap along with Steve Martin, but yet you don't see him getting all pissed off and angry. I just found it interesting that... Well, you got two of these guys living through the same crap mm-hmm. and Steve Martin,
0: like <laughs> Well, I think it's the difference between Steve Martin clearly is a successful businessman, he's right. got a lot of money, he has a nice house, a nice family. Right. You know, he leads a very very much a life of privilege. Yeah. yeah. Whereas John, John Candy is a traveling salesman selling right. shower curtain rings and stuff.
1: And he doesn't have a family. Right. Yeah. He lives
0: out of a trunk and right. all he has is a picture of his wife and yeah. you know. And, he's a very simple guy. And, so
1: and when Steve, you know, decides to like bring him home, it's just like oh my god. It's
0: such a good movie. Just yeah. a warm movie and, mm-hmm. and a lot of classic funny moments. So about great scenes. You know, the scene when they're in the hotel room and, oh my god. and they're like
1: <laughs> cuddling. It's like <laughs> Those aren't pillows. Steve Martin says, Oh, you know, how about that Bears game? Yeah. That was ad lib. I'm sure. It's like, and that's perfect. Yeah. You know, you're trying to be manly after having your, you know,
0: your hand up some other guy's rump. (laughs) But I love it, like how John Candy uses all the towels and he's got his underwear soaking in that sink. It's just disgusting, you know? Yeah. He's
1: like this total obnoxious, kind of sweetheart teddy bear. Yeah.
0: You know, it's great. And he's good at playing those kind of characters too. Oh, absolutely. So that was my four. And yours? That was my four as well. Oh, okay. So what do you got for number three?
1: So my number three is from 1983 Mm -hmm. vacation okay so we talked a little bit about it i just loved it as you know this kind of dad trying to bond with the family it's his quest to get the family together (laughs) and along the way christy brinkley shows up right Oh, my gosh. And it's funny because now, of course, you know, and I saw it as a 18-year-old. Right. I'm thinking one thing. Mm -hmm. And now as a dad, and I'm thinking, my God, what if I was in that predicament? So then Christy, like, uh, meets him up at the bar, and she brings him out to the pool, and she takes her clothes off. She jumps in the pool. As an 18-year-old, I'm like, go, do it, do it, do it. (laughs) as a father and, and husband, husband i'm like walk away walk yeah. away walk away one of the things that a few of us for years were saying this is crazy this is crazy, crazy, this, this, is is crazy, crazy this is crazy yep this is crazy so so very quotable and just a really good movie On its own, it stands as a top five on its own.
0: And I agree, but I'm I'm saying I think either that one or Christmas Vacation could be a number five for me, and I didn't want to choose between the two. I wanted them both to be in the top five, and so I did it. Because it's yours. Deal with it. It's your show. Exactly. F y'all. All
1: (laughs) All right, and so then you're number three.
0: Number three for me is uh, from August 18th, 1989 release, Uncle Buck. Oh, okay. Another uh, John Hughes, John Candy collaboration. Yeah, yeah. This is one where John Candy's the star, but it also introduced us to a young man named Macaulay Culkin. That's right. This was the first time. Pre-Home Alone day. Yeah. And this led to him being in Home Alone, which Mm -hmm. is another John Hughes movie, by the way. Uh, Yes, it is. I don't know if it was his first thing. It might have been, but he's Mm -hmm. so funny in in Uncle Buck as a little kid. But John Candy knocks it out of the park in Uncle Buck, I think. Okay. And his character is very similar to uh, Del Griffith from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles in that he's a slob. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, you know, a little different. He doesn't want to commit to his girlfriend. Okay. And he just likes to kind of live his life uh, without a care. He doesn't Mm -hmm. really have a job, per se. He kind of makes his money betting on the horses and this Ah, and that. Okay. He smokes cigars. He drinks too much, whatever. Right. But he's also very lovable. Okay. And then he's asked in an emergency to watch his brother's kids who he doesn't really have a relationship with because he's mm-hmm. kind of non-existent with the family. Right, right. And then, you Sister know... His sister-in-law
1: must have loved that.
0: Well, that's the whole thing. The mm-hmm. whole, that's And that's part of the, the charm of the movie, like the, okay. the, the friction between he and his, his sister-in-law. Yeah. He ends up developing this wonderful bond with these kids. Okay. So this is one of the rare things where John Hughes not only makes sort of a teen movie, but it's yeah. more a family movie. Okay. Because he was kind of... John Hughes was kind of a, a little bit of both. Like, right, he was known yeah. for teen movies early on. Definitely. And then he kind of uh, eventually did more family-oriented stuff. Mm -hmm. And I could say Uncle Buck is probably the bridge between the two. Right. You know, the nice bridge between. And there's a lot of really funny scenes in Uncle Buck. Yeah.
1: I mean, I saw it when it came out. I don't remember being, you know, really blown away or carrying anything with it. You might enjoy it more now. Yeah. And I didn't watch it recently. Yeah. So that's probably the only reason it's not, you know, on my top five or – but – yeah, it's good stuff. There's so much, but there's so much good John Hughes.
0: Stuff. I know there is, but the reason I put Uncle Buck in the top five for me one, mm-hmm. I, I love the movie and it holds up for me. Um, but I, I wanted to have a little bit of a good mix mm-hmm. of the family stuff and the teen stuff. Right. So. Okay. All right. all right, what do you got for number We're up 2 up to
1: two. My one and two are not going to be a surprise at all. So my number two is from 1986. Sex, excuse me. <laughs> Freudian <laughs> slip, anyone? <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. Okay. I love this movie. It's very quotable. It actually is one of two John Hughes films That the uh, National Film Registry has pegged for preservation. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a silly, fun teenage movie. He's got a really great character. And, you know, Ferris Bueller is, he's kind of a jerk in a way, but you can see what he's trying to do. You know, he's trying to help, especially, you know, he's got his girlfriend, but I think he's really trying to help his friend who is just this. Or oh, really the stressed out kid. <laughs> Ferris Bueller, I think, was pretty good with the parental relationships. I mean, you don't see Cameron. I don't think you really meet the parents, but you don't need to
0: meet them. No, you get a sense just from you how he lives. House. Yes. The house that he lives in. The house is he like talks, a He describes what, what his life is like, and, yeah. and Ferris does too. Right. And so you know that he's growing up in a very uh, closed-off environment. Oh,
1: the house is like this pristine museum. It's like a museum, yeah. Oh, it's horrible. And his dad and with the
0: Ferrari yeah, and stuff. Yeah, he's got
1: that crazy car, so, you know, and they, they take the car out. And I just like some of the, kind of like the life lessons. You know, like Ferris says, life goes by quick. If you blink, you might miss it. hmm Kind of a wise thing for somebody at that age to be thinking about. Yeah,
0: I think Ferris is written as a very wise-beyond-his-years character and a guy that everybody wishes they could be like. Mm -hmm. And and it wouldn't surprise me if John Hughes, when he wrote that, wrote Ferris as the guy he wanted to be in high school. Maybe, and that's when we were talking a little bit about John Hughes. Like,
1: yeah, if he hated high school and he wasn't with the in crowd and maybe making these type of movies was what he envisioned, what it would be like but it's funny that a lot of times he didn't seem to put himself or some character as the super cool everybody loves him it's like ferris bueller is kind of like the only character where everybody loves him like you were saying yeah. you know the Sordos,
0: the geeks the dick hey, whatever <laughs> <They all laughs> think he's a righteous dude <laughs> yeah uh, edie McClurg. yeah so She's um, so good and well
1: and ben stein yeah ben stein just freaking bueller <laughs> bueller One of my favorite lines, they're in the garage, Cameron's garage, they're looking at this crazy awesome car. Mm -hmm. You know, and Ferris says, A man with his priorities so out of whack doesn't deserve such a fine automobile. (laughs) And it's like, Yeah, you're right. Let's steal it. Yeah, let's take (laughs) it for a joyride. That's what I'm thinking. Screw him. And, you know, and of course, the whole day, I mean, they go to the museum and look at Monet. They go to the you know the baseball field. Mm-hmm. They get in the German parade. It was funny as hell how everything everything is, they do. How Ferris is like you know singing. He's on television and his dad just doesn't see him at the right time. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Yeah. Very cool stuff. But very well done. Loved at the end when they're trying to reverse the mileage on the car, Mm -hmm. so that's like, you know, Cameron's dad doesn't know he took it out, (laughs) and then Cameron just snaps and he starts kicking the car, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's like, you know, he's got a dent in it, and then he's like, oh shit, I can't hide that now, and it's almost like, you almost see him kind of, like a weight is Mm -hmm. lifted off his shoulders is like, I now I'm going to have to confront my dad.
0: He's this suppressed kid, yeah. you know, who his whole whole life has been, you know, don't touch that, don't do that. You're not good enough, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then Ferris helps break him out of that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, as much of a sort of inconsiderate guy as Ferris is, he's also a pretty good friend too. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a great friend. And then you
1: have all this other stuff off to the side with, you know, since he skipped school, but now his sister is gonna try to get (laughs) him in trouble but then she ends up meeting uh, in the, in the police Sheen. station, Charlie yeah. Sheen, who's like all strung out heroin addict or something. I don't know what. But it was funny how like, you know, his character actually gives her a little bit of wisdom. It's like, you know, why does it bother you? It's his life. You know, if you're not happy, maybe you're not happy with yourself, blah, blah, blah. Right. And the whole race home. Yeah. What That's such a great there's, scene. There's so
0: many, like you said, very quotable things. So yeah. many great scenes with the principal, mm-hmm. the stuff with his sister. Yeah. The fact yeah. that he, he could do do no wrong everything he does goes his way right it's such right. a it's such an awesome and that uh, would piss me off if that was my brother i'd be <laughs> pissed off
1: I'd, I'd be very jealous but that again that'd be my problem which is what i really liked about you know his sister realizing oh, it's my problem it's not his and then she
0: helps him out at the end yeah so there you go there is a screen facts for ferris bueller's day off okay that you could check out for more fun trivia about it mm-hmm. so you're number two Number two for me is 1985's The Breakfast Club. Okay. Another one of uh, John Hughes films that was selected for preservation by the National Film Registry of the Library of Congress. Tell me why it's your number two. Everybody who has seen The Breakfast Club, no matter what age you are mm-hmm. and what, what generation you're growing up in, probably can relate to at least one of the characters. Right. You know, maybe you were the dorky kid. Maybe you were the jock. Maybe right. you were the, the princess. Misbit, the misfit, the yeah. right. Or maybe you were a little bit of all of them. Yeah, Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you didn't fit in a little box completely, but right, you right. there was some, you know, some part of you in all of the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the great performances. The yeah. fact that you can watch this movie hour and a half, hour forty five minutes, whatever it is, and it's all basically in that library. Yeah, and it's amazing.
1: And all kinds of stuff is happening. Yeah,
0: you know, you know, and it, and it does. It's not boring. It's it's right. funny. It's dramatic. Yeah, it's emotional and the dialogue is decent.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of my very well written, one of my issues with some of the other films and we'll talk about Mm -hmm. is some of the writing. It's like a teenager is not saying that to another It's like, oh, your car awaits my lady, you know, stuff like that. It's like we didn't talk. We
0: really didn't talk that way. I think the more comfortable John Hughes got in his yeah. writing and directing and producing, mm-hmm. the the more his craft improved. Yeah, his earlier stuff. Yeah, uh, felt a yeah, little the, the Dialogue, dialogue yeah. a little bit. Yeah, whereas I, I mean, the Breakfast Club, it it was smooth. It flowed. I think the thing with with the Breakfast Club too is that. Without it, we probably wouldn't have Kevin Smith movies. Oh. Um, And I'm kind of going out on a limb a little bit here. But Kevin Smith clearly was influenced by John Hughes in some way. I would think so, yeah. And I'm talking the way Kevin Smith writes. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that Sue has said about some of Kevin Smith's earlier stuff is that his dialogue is is almost too heady or whatever. Yeah. Like nobody talks like that. Right, right. But I think that's certainly a John Hughes influence in the way he wrote mm-hmm. like clerks and oh, all yeah. rats. Mm-hmm. You know, like his his and Chasing Amy, like his his earlier, earlier yeah. stuff. Yeah. A couple of things, my buddy Tim. We actually did a podcast for The Breakfast Club oh, okay. for Screen Facts. Okay. And he talked about like he went to see a, a screening of the movie and Molly Ringwald did a Q&A afterward. Right. And she talked about how John Hughes, she thought that he he had like some sort of PTSD from high school. And this right, goes back yeah. to what we were saying before about how yeah. something happened to him in high school yeah. that profoundly affected how he, he approached mm. movies. Okay and probably like you said he was an outcast who right. never got to hang out with the cool people he never right. got to date the cool girls or anything yeah. like that and that comes through in a lot of his movies it's a very very much a, a recurring theme i read that
1: and it's made me sad to think that he really like shut himself off from his stars Molly Ringwald and um, Anthony Michael Anthony Hall, Michael yeah. Hall they, they didn't take a couple of his later parts. Yeah, I think what happened, he didn't forgive them and he didn't speak to them. And for however, 20 years, they yeah, just, it's I think what happened sad. was the
0: two of them, Anthony yeah. Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald, at that point had done three or four movies each with John Hughes. Yeah. Okay. And they were all successful. But mm-hmm. I think they were afraid of being pigeonholed into that kind of thing. And they right. were trying to do different things yeah, that yeah. where they weren't playing an awkward teen or whatever. Right. And uh, unfortunately, you know, John Hughes was coming at them with more roles like that. And, and yeah. they kind of said, oh, you know, I want to do some different stuff. Yeah. And he, he took it personally, like you said. Right. Yeah. And yeah, And it's, bad, it's sad that he died without yeah. having, uh you know, reconciled, reconciled with that. them. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Really sad. Um, yeah. And then uh, one other thing about John Hughes' movies, a lot of them take place in the same town, Shermer, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, his hometown of Northbrook was once called Shermerville. Oh. Okay. And also Glenbrook North High School, where he went to school, is located on Shermer Road. So that's, that's the shout oh, okay. out to his how he grew up, Shermer, oh. Illinois. So, okay. So there's no, there's no real Shermer in right. Illinois. Number one, sir? My number one?
1: Pretty obvious probably is breakfast club. Okay. Identifying with one of these different characters. There is a good representation. Because of course I remember in high school that they were like, you know, the Votechies. One of the things I really liked how the smart kid, um, each one of them, you know, they have they have issues. You know, they have right. either a family relationship that has made them a certain way. And it was so great to see that coming out. And each one of them, with their story, I think, Anthony Michael Hall's character, you know, okay, he's the smart kid. Right. But, you know, he's talking about the pressure. Right. To of being, always be the mm-hmm. number one. And he just took shop because he thought that'd be an easy A. And then, of course, you know, the criminal, you know, his character, he's, right. like, getting Fender. pissed off. Right? Yeah. He's like, what, you think it would be easy? And, and. There's the truth there that yeah, I thought it was gonna be easy and it's not. Right. Well, and I thought that's great. That speaks volumes because I can't fix a friggin' car. That's just
0: it. it N- and it not acknowledges that. I'm that I we shouldn't we say all I'm have brilliant. talents. We all have yeah. specialties. Right. And we can't all be rocket scientists. Mm-hmm. Some of us have to fix cars too. And yeah, there's no yeah. shame in that. Hell no. I think, you know, there's a line in Bruce Almighty. Mm-hmm. Which has nothing to do with John Hughes, but I'm going to throw it in here anyway. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Where Morgan Freeman as God says to Jim Carrey's character mm-hmm. that some of the happiest people in the world stink to high heaven at the end of the day because yeah. they're taking out garbage or they're right. mopping or whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, janitor. And, and there's a scene with the janitor in Breakfast Club too. Yes. Where uh, Bender says something like very condescending, like uh, yeah. Andrew here is uh, looking to pursuing a career in the custodial arts. What do right, you think he right. should do? You know. Yeah. Making like light of the fact that the guy's a janitor, but right. we all need janitors in our lives too. Absolutely, there's well, no, there's nobody should ever feel like they're less important in the world because right. of what they do for a living.
1: Absolutely, I mean, I think that's part of the reason I like doing a fair amount of manual stuff around mm-hmm. the house because I feel better. I know I sleep better at the end of the day doing that kind of work, and sometimes I really wish oh, I wish I did become the plumber or something like that.
0: I'm grateful um, that I get to talk into a microphone for a living. Yeah. I don't have to dig ditches. Right. But I don't feel like I'm better than somebody who does that. And I certainly don't feel like I'm above doing manual right. labor. I would totally do that.
1: Yeah. So, and but, just the fact that we're having this conversation
0: mm-hmm. about a movie. Right. I think Tim and I actually ago. had a similar conversation. Oh, like, it's funny yeah. thing when we talked about Breakfast Club. But so, yeah. I,
1: so that's great. Just So I think that just shows how good... This movie is, and it really, really is a good representation of just the frustrations of teenagers and of youth. And you know, each one of them's got some kind of problem. And uh, you know, the Bender when he's showing like yeah, you know his cigars, father burns, burns yeah. on his arm,
0: it's like holy crap. I think the the important message mm-hmm. that The Breakfast Club possesses is yeah. that we should never judge a book by its cover. With anybody. Right, right. You know, we could all look at a guy like Bender with the longer hair, and he dresses like in flannel and stuff, and he seems like he's a bad boy, blah, blah, blah. Right. But until you've walked a mile in his shoes and and lived with his abusive father and dealt with what he deals with on a daily basis, you can't, you know, and he says that to her, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really great funny lines in Breakfast Mm -hmm. Club, but yeah, there's definitely a message there of... Right. Don't be too quick to judge people. And one of the
1: scenes that just stick out for me, again, watching this when I was 18 years old, or 20, I'm 20 at this point, mm-hmm. you know, the princess, they're having lunch, and she pulls out. Sushi. And they like, what do you have? she's like, sushi. And I remember in the theater, we
0: were all like, sushi, what the hell, sushi? Right, that was before sushi became yeah, as mainstream now, as it is now. I freaking love sushi. Yeah. So am I a me princess? Too. I don't know. No, no, I think <laughs> back then, <laughs> I mean, sushi was probably something that was more like what rich people did, right? You know, yeah. or or get, it wasn't mainstream. You didn't get it at Whole Foods, right? You know, that it, was Whole Foods even around that, probably not. not Whole Foods, right? But yeah, so and I love what he says to her. She's like, mm. he's like sushi, and she's like, uh, raw fish wrapped in seaweed and rice. And she's like, yeah. you won't accept a guy's tongue in your mouth, but you're going to eat that. That's right.
1: <laughs> that's a great. Line. And she's
0: like, do you mind? You know, can I eat? And and he goes. Give it a shot. Something like that. You know? <laughs> right, right. I'm probably misquoting, but something like mm-hmm. that. The very end was really good because they were each
1: supposed to write an essay right. about you know who they are. It was just fantastic that, you know, the brainy kid just summarizes that, you know what, you see us or um You see us as you, you, want, to us us. As you want to see us. Right. Yeah, yeah. In the most convenient definitions. You mm-hmm. just put us in your little silos. But it's
0: important to not do that. Yeah. yeah cuz you know Very you never know who you're shutting yourself off from that could be mm-hmm. a, an, a, have a profound impact on your life. Yeah. So there you go. So this just resonates
1: with me. The dialogue was great. There yeah. nothing sounded fake or no. pushed. It, it was just it's a great movie. So yeah. that's my number one.
0: Yeah. And it's and it holds up super well. And I think it's a movie that generations of generations and generations of uh, teenagers will be able to yeah. view and enjoy
1: for years to yeah. come. For sure. And it had one of the best songs of
0: the 80s anyway. There you go. Don't you forget about me? Don't you forget about me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're number one. Number one for me is Ferris Bueller's Day Fueller. Off. Sure. And, and I think it's the same thing. It holds up well 30 plus years later. Yep. Kids can discover that and it's not dated. It doesn't right. feel weird. Yeah. You know, there might be stuff in there that's a little bit politically incorrect or whatever, but- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's funny. It's it, well written. It's well acted. It's just a great movie,
1: and it's poignant too. Yeah. I mean, you know, as an adult, uh, one of the things you know he talks about is you know retaining the joy of life. Don't mm-hmm. don't get bogged down in obligation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my god, because you'll end up like a Cameron. You know, that's just uptight about everything. I just feel like, yeah, we're bogged
0: down with so much stuff. I think it's impossible as you get older and you have a family and you have responsibilities to not lose a little bit of that innocence and lose your way a little bit. Yeah. And that's why it's important to to watch a movie like Ferris Bueller's Day Off to remind Mm -hmm. yourself that it's okay to just have fun sometimes and to not think about work or whatever are the right. responsibilities you have. Right.
1: One of my saving graces was having my two sons. Mm-hmm. We enjoyed being together, you know, did a lot of scouting stuff and everything. And that definitely helped me, I think, retain some childhood happiness or whatever. Now that they're both grown, you know, Kathy and I are like, what do we do? And it's like, oh, now we're doing some of our own stuff. Right. And it's another, it's a beautiful time to yeah. be thinking about, oh, what's our next thing, you know?
0: so It's fun It's, it's fun to do, you to. like, younger-minded things when you're an adult. Right. When you have, you know, when you have the money to do them and whatever, you yeah. know? Yeah. But on a bigger scale. Like, right.
1: I can't wait to go, like, on a really big zip line. Right. Compared to, you know, the little crap I did as a kid. Right. I want
0: to do something big. Right, exactly. You know? I think for me, as far as his movies, like, mm-hmm. Breakfast Club and, and um, Ferris Bueller yeah. are both they're one and two, but they could be interchangeable for me. Yeah. Um. The reason I chose Ferris Bueller mainly is because I could put that on anytime and enjoy right. it. Yeah. Breakfast Club, yeah. I think I might have to be in the mood for a little bit more because there is a lot of seriousness to it at times. Right. Mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller is just a fun, good escapism kind of yeah. film. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's get into the uh, honorable mentions. All right. And there's well, quite a few.
1: Well, you had tied, you know, vacations for number five. Mm-hmm. I kind of have for number six. I'm tying... Sixteen Candles and Pretty in Pink. Okay. Because they're
0: quite similar. You were also talking about... Some Kind of Wonderful. Some kind of Wonderful. Right. Which, by the way, is almost interchangeable with Pretty in Pink. You got Except it's instead of the, the girl wanting to date the rich right. person, it's the other way around. The guy, right.
1: And it shares in Sixteen Candles that there is a girl's <laughs> locker scene. And what's her name? Leah Thomas? Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. Yeah. Beautiful. Yes. Love her. Yes. She's great. But, you know, there's this scene that she's in the girl's locker room and, you know, she's got the leg up. Right. She's posing on the bench. A she's drying the hair. She's in this right. hot little white underwear stuff. And <laughs> even Kathy was like, oh, come on. Exactly. <laughs> we were,
0: Sue and I were oh doing my, the same I thing. I P.S. Leah Thompson at that time, I think was 27 or 28 years old. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But so,
1: and she was great in that movie. Mm-hmm. And that movie had a lot of heart, a lot of stupid lines, yeah.
0: you know, were said in that. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, again, it's it's the same kind of like the outcast trying to fit in or not yeah. necessarily fit in, but right. like say, hey, I, I matter too. Right. Why can't I yeah. have a pretty girlfriend? Why is, you know, why? I like Eric Stoltz too. He's a good actor. Yeah. yeah. I like yeah, him. And he had dreamy blue eyes. Yeah. <laughs> So dreamy. The guy that plays um, Eric Stoltz, he end, they end up being friends. Like the skinhead dude, he's really good and some you know, kind of wonderful.
1: And I like how that's another thing that John Hughes uses art oftentimes yes. for people to come together. Yes. And I
0: love the scene
1: when they're in detention, and you know Eric Stoltz's character is like, oh man, he's going to get his ass kicked, but he's drawing something. Yep. The skinhead or whatever yeah. next to him is like carving up the, the uh, desk. The desk. Yeah. And they look at each other's stuff and like, oh, and then they become, you know, friends later on. It's like, that is so great. That's what the world
0: should be. Yes. You know? Yeah. The power of art. Yeah. So as far as other honorable mentions, I mean, you could almost name most of his filmography.
1: Yeah. 16
0: Candles for me, uh, Weird Science, Home Alone, The Great Outdoors, Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. Mm -hmm. Mr. Mom doesn't hold up as well. See when okay. I watch that, I still enjoy it. Yeah, but it's yeah. Ve- it feels very dated when you watch it now.
1: Was that because they're all wearing leotards where they're when they're working out in his well, living not only, room? Yeah,
0: well, that. But <laughs>
1: fashion aside, like the fact you know, well, if fashion the was an issue, mom, yeah, uh, just a lot of it. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, I do like that line. Yeah. Like, they can't drop you know people either dropping the kids off in the wrong place at school. Yeah, and he learns how to do it the right way. Then he becomes the monitor. All right, that's pretty, yeah. that was all right. No, there's, there's, you know, you root for his character, for sure. Sure, yeah. But yeah, yeah I agree, it's, it's not one of his top five. Now, I never saw... Curly Sue? I think it's Curly called. Sue. You know I saw, I don't really remember it. Um, and it didn't make anybody's list, so I didn't feel compelled to watch
0: yeah, it. Yeah, so. I don't think it holds up well. It's, you know, mm-hmm. a, it's a family kind of thing. I think she's like an orphan and Yeah.
1: Oh, she's an orphan. Yeah, I forget. I I honestly Aww. don't even
0: remember the premise of the movie. But another John Hughes movie that a lot of people maybe overlook is called Dutch. Dutch is as probably in terms of like John Hughes movies that didn't get as much fanfare like Curly Sue uh-huh. is, is probably a better movie. Dutch okay. is a fun movie. It's a, another road trip kind of movie. All right. Ed O'Neill Dutch, is cool. Ed O'Neill plays Dutch right. and he's got to go get his girlfriend's. Son from boarding school and bring him home, kind of thing. He's a working class guy. Does she do him in the car on the way home? No, no, no. Oh, all right. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> it is like a John Hughes
0: movie where there's yeah, not. It's of a bad. John Hughes movie. Nobody there does anybody any in John Hughes movies. Okay. Oh, and speaking of um, John Hughes movies that were disappointing, she's having a baby. Uh, yeah, I, I read say, so much. I, bad I watched stuff. it for the first time. Yeah, I had never seen it, and I'm yeah. like, well, I want to make sure it's not top five worthy. Right, right. I hated it. Now Kevin Bacon's in that. Yeah, I love Kevin Bacon. I thought She's Having a Baby was just a terrible movie. Oh, that's too bad. Because okay. I felt like the characters, there was nothing okay. likable about anybody in the movie. Okay. The woman who's having the baby, hence the title. She. She. Uh-huh. Just forgettable and, and somebody that you're like, why is he marrying her? Really? Why? Okay. She's a terrible well, person. Well, he knocked her up, right? No, no. Oh. It was after they're married. Oh. It's a John Hughes movie. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyway, so. so it's
1: not like the sure thing, that type of movie, right? <laughs> okay.
0: So I don't know. So uh, John Hughes, uh, one of my favorite like writers, filmmakers, whatever. Sure. I So many of his movies are, are etched in my you know teenage years. Yeah. I have fond memories of going to see them with people I worked with at the time, like mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller. That's another reason I chose Ferris Bueller for number one. Okay. I have a very vivid memory of going to see that with guys I work with at, mm-hmm. at Shoprite. Okay. You know that was a fun way to blow off steam and and yeah, you know yeah. and have something to talk about. Yeah. So. Um,
1: all right. Oh, yeah. definitely. And I just wonder, you know, he, he was only 59 when he died. Yeah. You know, what
0: if? And it's sad know? how he died, too. He was visiting family in New York, and he was taking like a morning walk. Yeah. Didn't he, and have he like had a, a heart attack. Yeah. What? That's crazy. I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty fried. All right. Cool. Well, take us out. That's John Hughes for you. Thanks for joining us. The Ranking Things podcast is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Remember, jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, internet, and corporate video, e-learning, phone message, and more. And we also want to know what you think. Let us know by email, rankingpodcasts at yahoo.com. Tweet us at jasondavisvoice. I'm Jason Davis. I'm Eric Wright. Thanks for listening to the Ranking Things podcast. No more Yankee Me Wanky. No need food.